0: Welcome to the Talent Acquisition Innovators Radio, the podcast for talent acquisition aficionados, HR lovers, and recruitment professionals out there looking to get inspired and challenge traditional approaches to hiring. Here, we'll discuss the ins and outs of the recruitment process, engaging fresh talent, managing tough internal hiring dilemmas, and of course, the future of talent acquisition. I'm your host, Sim Samra from Recruitee. I'll be quizzing the experts, asking the burning questions, and of course, bringing you great guests each episode. By the end of every episode, we'll offer a few hypotheticals, and of course, tips to take back to your team and workplace. Hi, I'm joined by Katrina Collier, author of the book, The Robot-Proof Recruiter. Today, we're going to be discussing how recruiters can bring a more human aspect to their hiring process to improve the candidate experience. But first, Katrina, could you please give us a quick introduction to who you are and what you do?
1: Yeah, sure. So obviously I'm Katrina Collier. I am a recruiter of old. I have been in the industry since 2003, and I, of course, fell into it like everybody does. I've been agency side. I've been in-house, and then for many years, I was training sourcing and social recruiting. And then Cogan Page asked me if I would like to write a book. So I uh, had the Robot Proof Recruiter was published on August 3rd, this year just gone, And heading into 2020, or as we go further into it, I am facilitating and running masterminds and doing a lot of speaking. So I've sort of shifted my focus a little bit more towards managers who are hiring rather than to recruiters so much. So that's where I'm at.
0: Great. Can you tell us a little bit about the idea behind your book and explain to people what a robot-proof recruiter is? Yeah, I mean, when
1: Kogan Page approached me, it was really obvious what was needed. There was so much talk in the industry about artificial intelligence and algorithms and machine learning and all this stuff just replacing recruiters. And I just didn't believe what was being said, the fact that you can still go into a bank and find a bank teller. When there are teller machines, and the fact there are still people at the checkout for you to put your grocery shopping through with for such mundane transactions, I just don't believe for one minute that such an important process as somebody changing jobs and something that their career relies on is going to be replaced by any kind of robot. Hence the name. So, as far as what I've focused on with the book and what I'd love to see recruiters doing is stop putting technology in the way between the human that they're trying to recruit and, you know, the process, there's constantly this barrier between the human and the recruiter and I'm looking for technology to support engagement rather than block it. So what I mean by that is, you know, like the classic applicant tracking system black hole where someone sends in an application and they get this very cold autoresponder if they actually get one yeah, and uh, don't get feedback, they don't get closure. I'm asking for transparency and to bring out all of those human skills that need to be involved in such a scary process as changing jobs. So, you know, some empathy and compassion and some understanding and allaying fear and doing all of the stuff that's required.
0: What are the steps that you actively encourage recruiters to take in order to become more robot proof and learn to engage better with candidates than they're currently doing. Like you said, technology needs to be supportive, but human engagement needs to lead. So what advice would you give to recruiters in order to be able to do that?
1: Well, other than purchasing a copy of the Robot Proof Recruiter, where the royalties are going to an amazing charity, so please do that, I suggest that you put yourselves into the shoes of a candidate. Actually, go to your company's website and try applying for a role and seeing what happens, how many obstacles you put in in the way of the process. You could perhaps try doing that with some of your competitors to see what they do. And then that will make you realise, ah, technology is getting in the way.
0: So I wanted to dive in a little bit to your experiences that you've had that has made you want to humanise the recruitment experience. Is this book influenced by a specific scenario, what made you really want to tackle the issue?
1: Well, other than what I said earlier about the fact the you know the HR tech vendors are constantly telling you that they can replace recruiters. No, I personally haven't had this experience because I've been working for myself for over a decade, but I have had nothing but complaints from people, from friends, contacts in the industry about how they're treated in the recruitment process how they can't get through to a recruiter, how they can't chase up their application. There's no human touch, you know. There's just constantly, you know, black hole recruitment, as they call it, or, you know, going through the interview process and not having any feedback.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, it was really obvious to me. It didn't need to be from my experience. Recruiters in, generally have a very poor reputation, whether they're on agency side or in-house, and that reputation has come from, unfortunately, misuse of technology, and I don't think it was intentional, it's just happened. Yeah, it's
0: just sort of falling into this way in which processes are now done because I know as a candidate myself, I've often received automated messages and for me it's very impersonalized and it does make me feel a certain way about how I view a company or the recruiter who's handling my application.
1: Yeah, I think recruiters often forget about the amount of noise that's out there. I mean, when you think about these mobile phones that we all carry around, which, you know, currently mine is in my hand, it's that close to me, but I don't have to answer you. And I'm getting so many messages all the time, not just from recruiters, from all sorts of people who have misspelt my name or haven't looked at my profile. It's all completely irrelevant. And it's like this massive layer of noise that technology has created, where You can reach people by even more methods than any ever before. But because of that, people are sick of the constant interruption and that interruption to the flow of their work. So they just don't respond or they think, oh, I'll come back to that later. And then they don't. And also, there are so many job opportunities out there that can be easily seen on the internet that they don't have to apply for your job. They don't have to work at your company. There's lots of choice. So they've completely got the power.
0: Just on this topic of uh, people having access to so many messages, they have a short attention span these days. And I know from my experience, when it comes to LinkedIn, in-mail messages, I get flooded with them when I'm actively looking for jobs or even when I'm a passive candidate. What can recruiters do to stand out from the crowd and truly show that they're worthy of a candidate's time, in your opinion?
1: I think really take a look at how you're presenting yourself online. Because to me, it's not about the messaging. So if I send a message and I get your attention, you then look at me and you look at the company and you decide I'm not worthy of your time. So um, chapter two of the book is all about, do you look like a recruiter worth talking to? Should somebody actually trust you with their career and that next step? And I think there's far too little emphasis being put on that. I get, I mean, hundreds of unexplained invites to connect on LinkedIn from recruiters and the first thing I do is to click through to see if it's a genuine account or a spam like a, a bot account and I just see incomplete profiles all the time I don't see value add and contribution and helping candidates and you know all of the things I talk about Mark Hopkins a lot that he does incredibly well he's an engineering recruiter here in the UK
0: yeah
1: and he's forever paying it forward and answering questions and sharing videos. And just being extremely helpful—that's what people are looking for. Because they can just Google you, they can look you up on LinkedIn, they can check out your Facebook. How are you presenting yourself? Do you actually deserve a reply? So it's to me, it's more than the messaging. But of course, there's there's plenty of information out there on how to write messages.
0: So it's more just about having an active online presence, showing that you're engaging with the community and with candidates, uh, having a more professional um, social pages for yourself completed profiles things like that
1: yeah definitely and it can be as simple as actually what about your profile picture? I talk about photo feeler in the book and I, and it sort of seems to shock people but for thousands of years it's been a safety measure where we've looked at somebody and been able to judge if they're trustworthy or not and yet people have these you know strange angled profile selfies or they have a selfie in the car with sunglasses on, or it's just not professional, or it's not even approachable for that matter, or they look angry. So it's a case of actually just looking at your profiles. So I'm not talking even about content you share, just literally looking at your profile and going, would I want to talk to this person? Do I look, again, like that trust? It's such an important word.
0: Do you think that it's changed over time as technology has progressed, that we've sort of lost sight of our professionalism when it comes to dealing with candidates um, and that we rely a bit too much on technology?
1: The biggest game changer to the entire industry was the internet. Mm -hmm. I know lots of people will say, oh, it was this, it was that. It wasn't. It was the internet. You know, when I started in recruitment, I had my black book of contacts and the companies could not get in into my Black Book of Contacts. And then, of course, LinkedIn appeared and then the recession hit in 2008, 2009, and suddenly people are online. There are now 4 billion people online. And, of course, over that time as well, then email became this huge from it was, you know, starting off and then suddenly it's just constant. And we've got very used to just sending a quick message without much thought and without much how is that being perceived. And there hasn't necessarily been an education around how to write an email. I mean, just the basics, you know, we, we kind of were probably taught how to use a phone or you, you had more of an idea because you can hear tone of voice and you'd know where to direct it. This black and white messaging, be it email or text or whatever it is. So it's just become all about rapid fire, quick responses. Yeah. So some of it's lack of education. Um, some of it's not thinking about it from the other point of view as well. Like how is a recipient going to take this So I think it's a combination of factors.
0: You said earlier on in the podcast that you do think recruiters should step inside the shoes of a candidate in that they should apply for a job on their own website and see what that process is like in order to ease pain points. So I just wanted to find out what um, you think recruiters should be doing when it comes to sending out communication to candidates, what what exactly is the thought process they should put themselves into? How can they step into the the shoes of a candidate and um, fully understand how much the market is flooded with messages to the very people they're targeting? How can they improve the process of their candidate engagement? If just
1: looking at their message alone and not thinking I'd respond to that isn't enough then I think they need to start asking candidates. They need to ask their colleagues, so particularly if they're an in-house recruiter rather than agency, you know, how would you like to be approached? Where would you like to be approached? What kind of information would you like to hear about? You know, we go in with this hard sell. I've got a job, want a job. Whereas we should be going in and saying, where do you plan on going next? If you had your the best job ever in your career, what would it be? What would that next step look like? Asking very different questions to what we ask. Because we're sort of time pressure, because our managers are saying, you know, I want one of these right now. So we go in and say, are you available right now? And they go, no. And then we just dismiss them. Whereas we should be saying, what's the plan for next? And maybe starting to get a talent pool of people who we could pick up over the next few years, as well as that one we need right now. So I think that could be part of it. But I think there needs to be a lot more curiosity, a lot more question asking, uh, a lot more openness to feedback. And that can come from, candidates or from colleagues.
0: And actually speaking to the very people you're targeting, the candidates actually doing the market research, so to speak.
1: Absolutely. I mean, this should start right back with the hiring manager anyway. You shouldn't even be going to market with a role until you have done all your research. You understand the marketplace. You understand how many people are out there. You understand what the job is, what problem they're coming in to solve, what the future is, what progression there is, and all of that as well within messaging is going to stand out a mile from do you want a job
0: with new technology always on the horizon it tends to speed up processes things get automated um do you think recruiters just need to take a step back actually take the time and invest in the time to actually understand the experience the the customer journey so to speak and recognize the pain points and take it from there
1: Absolutely. Um, I think there's lots of stuff they can do. So, you know, you take the average process of I find you, I get in touch with you, you send me your CV, you go into a black hole of the applicant tracking system, or I might send you an autoresponder. So, you look at that and you're like, oh, it's a really cold email. Well, actually, I could use a a nice tool that would send a text message with a, a rich media GIF in it. I sort of swap out what you're doing for something that's more engaging and human. But I think if you don't actually start and step through the entire process and find out where all the blockages are, then I don't think you'll ever fix it. And I think the second most important thing is to not pick up recruitment or HR technology that hasn't been created by or with the input of recruiters, because nobody understands the job better than we do. So you can't go and buy technology that's, you know, a developer created because they thought, oh, I had a bad experience once, so I've created this. But they've never actually recruited. So they don't understand all the idiosyncrasies that go into it because it's a complicated job. So I think that's also a really important part.
0: You mentioned that technology should be used as a support. I want to get some examples of what you mean by that.
1: So Convey IQ is the classic example. So that's where somebody sends an application to you and rather you going, hi, thanks so much for your application, the talent acquisition team. We'll come back to you if you're right, but we probably won't, which is basically what they all say. It sends this rich media text. So it creates this very human and emotive. It's on text, highest response rate for SMS. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's something like 98%. It's really high. Rich media, excitement, name, phone number, that kind of thing. It could also be, For example, what Ben Glenhill has done at Yodel, where they're recruiting drivers, they're always recruiting the same role over and over and over again. So people are coming to their website. So once they land, there's a chatbot there that will actually walk them through the application because they're recruiting high volumes of the same type of person. So that's great because what it's doing is it's showing people straight away where they are in the process um, and whether they're going to proceed or not. At a time that suits them, which is often late at night, not during the day when recruiters are working. So that's just a couple of examples.
0: Okay. Um, I just want to quickly touch upon the topic of ghosting, and I know it gets a lot of uh, negative press attention, but there is an alarming trend of it. Mm. So, in your opinion, whose fault is it, and why?
1: It's payback. I'm monumentally disliked for saying that, but if we have neglected candidates for the last decade at least they just feel well why should I be great to you if you've not been great to me um the internet as well because of the fact that you can see online how many jobs there are you can see how a company is treating its employees you can see how candidates are being treated through the interview process so they feel empowered to just go no I'm going to disappear You know, sometimes it is the fear of going back to a recruiter if they've been under a hell of a lot of pressure. But I think in general, it's like, you know what? I'm not really bothered if this is going to impact my reputation. So what? One company is not going to like me if I ghost them. (laughs) Who cares? There's all of these jobs out there. So I think it's a huge power shift. And I think that the biggest thing that's going to stop that from happening is for companies to give feedback for anybody that has interviewed via video chat, telephone, in person, give them feedback. And I think that would be a great start to reducing ghosting. Put the respect where it should be, back with the human that's coming through the stressful process of the recruitment.
0: And, you know, recruiters often say to me when I I speak to them, it's a candidate-driven market. Well, you know, if that is the case, then, of course, they get to decide who they want to work for, and so the candidate experience is exceptionally important.
1: I think it's candidate-driven in all areas now. If a human knows how to use the internet, then they've got the power. Because they can see the jobs. Yes. It's as simple as that. So the power shifted many years ago.
0: For recruiters who are trying to keep up with that power shift, I just want to talk about how they can combine digital tools with a personal touch because striking the balance can be tricky. So do you have any words of wisdom or advice for recruiters looking to achieve this balance successfully? Always
1: put the human first. Always think about the person in the process and how they would feel and the receiving end of whatever spam it is that you're sending them. If it's a LinkedIn spam mail, for example, you know perhaps they would like to send video messages or do something different. There's a lot more personal. Just consideration of time as well. I find that these days is not taken into consideration. People turning up late for interviews, turning up late for phone calls, not turning up at all. Those kinds of thing as well. Very important. But I think the ultimate one is the recruiters out there. Who are succeeding are curious. They're learning. They're going and buying books. They're listening to podcasts. They're getting themselves into uh, events, to conferences. They're expanding their knowledge. They're not just sitting in their little echo chamber. They're getting out, out into the business, out into the real world, out amongst other recruiters, and they're learning. And they're the ones that are
0: succeeding. Excellent. Well, Katrina, our time is up. I would like to thank you for joining me on this podcast today. Do you have any lasting words you'd like to say?
1: No, not at all. I hope everyone does purchase a copy of the Robot Proof Recruiter. The charity that the royalties from the book go to aims to end modern day slavery, of which 40.3 million people are impacted. So not only will they get some great knowledge, they'll actually be helping others in the process.
0: Thanks again for joining us on the Talent Acquisition Innovators Radio. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And of course, if you did, feel free to share it on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, or wherever you're most active. And if you'd like to be updated on when our next podcast is going to be released, you can sign up at blog.recruity.com podcast. See you in the next one.